Hi, and welcome to the Homeschool Snapshots podcast. I'm Pam Barnhill, your host, and this is the podcast that gives you a peek into the lives of the homeschoolers next door. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 22 of the podcast. I don't know about you guys, but I like to do a little reading every now and then to kind of do professional development for myself as a homeschool mom. So one of the books that I've recently started reading is called Consider This by Karen Glass. This book is all about Charlotte Mason and the classical tradition. I'm only about four chapters in, but wow, is there something in this book for just about everyone, I think. I wanted to share with you guys today a quote from page 26. It's in the section on humility being necessary to education. And in that section, Ms. Glass says, if we are humble, we are teachable. If we are not humble, we are not teachable. And I just think, ouch, think of all the things that I have not learned in my life. And it was probably because I wasn't humble enough to realize that I needed to learn them. But it really has me thinking about my children and how can I instill in them some humility, which also got me thinking about another project that I'm currently working on. I'm taking a class at Craftsy on crocheting a sweater. Now, I have been a crocheter for a long time, off and on, but I've never done anything as complicated as a sweater before. I've always stuck to things that were kind of flat. So this has been a challenge for me. In fact, so much so I had to rip out everything I had done last week and had the heart to start over yet. I hope I get to that soon. So that got me to thinking maybe that's why Charlotte Mason was really big on all those handicrafts. It was to keep students humble. Keep me in your thoughts as I'm working on my sweater and go check out Consider This by Karen Glass. We'll put a link for you in the show notes to that one. You might just enjoy it. Well, on with today's podcast, we are going to be talking to a lady that I have enjoyed reading her blog for a number of years now. And this is Dawn Hannigan. Her blog is By Sun and Candlelight. She talks about Downton Abbey. She does a Downton Abbey follow along every January when that show starts back up. And that's a favorite here. And she also talks about seasonal homeschooling and her file crate system. And we get into all of that on the podcast today. I think you're really going to enjoy listening to what Don has to share with us. So we'll be right back with the interview right after this message from our sponsor. Today's podcast is sponsored by SimplifiedOrganization.com. So I have a question for you. Are you a paper planner or are you a digital planner or are you like me? I am actually a hybrid planner. But if you're trying to figure out which method might be best for you, I have some help for you. If you head on over to SimplifiedOrganization.com forward slash snapshots, there are some fun tools for you there to help you figure out if you're paper, if you're digital, and then what you can do about being either one. There's a quiz there that you can take to see if you would be better suited to one or the other. And there's also a webinar there that my good friend Misty Winkler has recorded on the benefits of paper versus digital planning. She's going to let you decide which side you fall down on. And then she's got lots of great tips and tools to help you make the best of whichever decision you made. Head on over to simplifiedorganization.com forward slash snapshots to get access to the quiz and your free webinar. 
Our guest today is Don Hannigan, a homeschool mom to four boys, ranging in age from young adult all the way down to toddler. Her blog, By Sun and Candlelight, is full of inspiration about organization, planning, books, crafts, and so much more. And it's well worth the visit for the lovely nature photography alone. Dawn is the mastermind behind a home organization method she calls the file crate system, which I can't wait to talk to her some more about today. Welcome to the show, Dawn. Thank you, Pam. It's so nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, this is going to be a fun conversation because I have been a fan for a long, long time. So I'm just so happy you're here. Oh, thank you very much. Well, tell me a little bit about your family. Well, as you mentioned, I have four boys. Our oldest is 20, and he'll be a junior in college this fall, which I can hardly believe. Our second son is just turned 16, and then we have a 13-year-old, and then we have our happy surprise from a couple of years ago, Little Bear, and he just turned two in May. And my husband, Bill, and I have been married for, gosh, let's see, it seems like forever. Uh, It'll be 22 years in October. We met in college. We started dating when I was 19, 20 years old, and... Uh, We live here in Massachusetts and live close to our families and uh, have been homeschooling for, gosh, this will be our 16th year of homeschooling, actually, which is also hard to believe. Yeah, I know that the time flies. Well, tell me a little bit about how you got started with the homeschooling. Sure. Well, our oldest son, he actually did go to one year of preschool when he was four. I had been a stay-at-home mom. That was something that was really important to Bill and I was that, you know, I I would be home with our kids. And I kind of dragged my feet on putting him into preschool, just really having a very good time being a stay-at-home mom. He was in a play group, and we went to the library for story time. We were pretty active. And then next thing I know, you know, my friends who had kids who were three were going off to preschool, and I thought, okay, maybe I should start looking. And he did have a nice preschool. It was a nice experience. But when the time came for kindergarten, our city actually had decided to go to full-day kindergarten. So they had gone from just a little half-day program, it may even have been just a few days a week, not Monday through Friday, to all week from, say, 8.30 till 2.30 or 3 o'clock. And we just, both Bill and I felt we really didn't want him away from home that much. He was, he was young. He was, you know, just five years old. And I just felt like that at that age, most of his time should be spent with his family and his um, less with just say teachers and peers. So we really kind of struggled with it a little bit. And I don't even remember how I heard about homeschooling. To this day, I can't remember where I first heard of it and got that information. But somehow it came out that Massachusetts does not actually require kindergarten. They need to report in at six years old. So we kind of thought, well, you know what? He's already reading. He's doing math at a second grade level, and he's pretty adjusted. He wasn't a kid who had any trouble with me me dropping him at preschool. He was always happy to see me go and happy to be picked up, but he was pretty adjusted that way. So we decided to just give it a year, and it was just during that first year that I started researching it because even though I think we were pretty much planning that he would join back up at first grade, it was just natural. I wanted to doubt about homeschooling. And I was floored to find out that there was a lot of homeschoolers in the area. And this is where I grew up. We were living in the town that I grew up. And it just really appealed to us. I loved teaching him. He was a joy to teach. And we still stayed very active with everything that we were doing. So that was really where it started. And the next year, it was sort of a no-brainer. It was like, well, let's just keep doing this. This is too much fun to not do it. And I think because we found a great group around us and I had support from our family and from uh, friends and some of 
good friends that I found homeschooling. It was just uh, our decision to continue. So that's really how we got started 16 years ago now. So you just kind of naturally rolled all the other boys in as they came along. Exactly. Yeah. I, I don't even remember there being a conversation when our second son was you know, ready for school. It wasn't even, he didn't go to preschool. It was just, we homeschooled right from the start with all of them. And our littlest one now too will be, we call it baby schooling right now. (laughs) (laughs) Only because he insists on, you know, being up there and doing things too. But yeah, so this will just keep going. It's been a great, great, it's just such a blessing. I've loved every minute of it. It's been wonderful. Well, let me start you off with a, a multiple choice question about your homeschool day. Okay. Your homeschool day is most like which literary classic? Would it be A, Persuasion, B, Plato's Dialogues, C, War of the Worlds, or D, Shakespeare's Comedy of Errors? Oh, my goodness. Gee, those are some choices. Uh, probably I'd have to say D, the Comedy of Errors, only because, you know, I, I love to plan. I think anybody who reads my blog knows how much I love to plan, but there's no more sure way of getting yourself set up for failure than to plan too much because you're going to be making different choices all through the day. And, you know, when you said persuasion, I thought, I don't really have to persuade my kids too much. They're pretty much on board with most of the stuff we do. So that's that's been good. But that's funny. So yeah, I'd go with the uh, comedy of errors, I think. Well, you know, it's funny because I always say that I love homeschool planning so much more than the actual homeschooling itself. <laughs> I think I've said those very words. <laughs> the pla- Absolutely. I think we probably all have. <laughs> the plans are perfect. You know, the homeschooling oh, gets ugly. <laughs> the idea of it is always just a beautiful thing. And I do I lo- like this month right now is when I'm doing my homeschool planning. Oh, everything sounds so wonderful. You know, I'm projecting out each month of the year and all the things that we're going to do. And But I know now from many years experience that that's not how it's going to happen. And, you know, we'll just, uh, we always have a plan B or we'll just do the best we can. And there's always next year. Well, you know, that's funny. I think as long as we're not putting this kind of undue pressure on ourselves to have to stick with the plan, I really don't think there's anything wrong for those of us who enjoy it with the fun of making a beautiful plan. I agree with that. Absolutely. Because I think it just helps me really sort of focus in on what things I feel are important. Because the more you plan, you obviously you're returning back to certain things that you want to see happen in your day or your week or just your homeschool year in general. So that's sort of helping you fine tune the overall plan for your family and for each of your kids. I think. So I think planning is great. And like you said, as long as you have a good attitude about when things and when things not just, you know, go wrong, but you've really gotten off track. I've had that happen before. And I think that the longer that you homeschool, the more you realize that it's okay. You can come back from that. You know, everything you're doing every day matters, even when it's not you know, that perfect outline that you had for all of the lessons that you're going to do or the curriculum you're going to follow week by week to just know that you're giving them such a great environment and you're surrounding them with so many materials. There's no way they're not learning and having a really good educational experience. Yeah, that's true. Whether you follow those plans perfectly or not. So, mm. yeah. Well, the plans are still a good thing. <laughs> yeah, it's still a good thing. If nothing else, it inspires me. So Yeah, and they look so pretty all neat in your notebook. <laughs> Well, what's the best piece of advice, of homeschooling advice you received as a homeschooling mom when you started? You know, when I started, I would say that, you know, I I remember being told by a lot of the older homeschooling moms to relax, to just try to relax and trust myself. And I think that when I think back to that first year, especially, I was really nervous, but I was more nervous about telling people. 
that I was homeschooling than I was actually about doing the homeschooling. I actually felt pretty confident about what we were going to do, but it was just the telling people part that I would get so nervous about, well, you know, what am I going to say if someone asked me this or that? And I remember, you know, a few of the moms saying, just relax about it. What you're doing has been okayed by all the people that matter, meaning mostly you and your husband, and you just trust in yourself. Trust that you are doing what you feel is best for your children, and you know instinctually what's going to work for them. And try not to worry so much about what other people think or about your decision. Just be comfortable with what you're doing. So I think that's probably something that it took a while to work that into me because, you know, even for a few years, I would still get, oh, someone going to ask us why we're here on a, you know, Tuesday at two o'clock or one o'clock in the afternoon. Why aren't they in school? And now I don't even bat an eye at that. So I think I finally have relaxed. (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) By now I should have, right? Well, what's a piece of advice you wish you would have received when you first started homeschooling? What do you wish someone would have told you? Oh, gosh. Well, you know, for as organized as I like to try to be, I think that a real wake-up call for me was the year that we were getting my oldest son ready to apply to college. And I really wish that someone had said to me early on, look, this is going to fly by. Time is going to go really fast. And all of a sudden, this moment is going to be here. And you're going to really wish that you had been very accurate with your record keeping and you know, reviewing things that you've done because for a homeschooler to get ready for college, you know, you have to put together your own transcript. Well, it depends on the different paths that you can take. But for us, we had to put together a transcript, uh, you know, book list of things you've read and then even the SATs. And I feel like I kind of kept my head in the sand a little bit too long. I feel like everything was sort of coming at us. Of course, that was also the year that I became pregnant with Little Bear. So that probably had a little something to do with being a little off base on that. But You know, I really, I swore that with the next one coming along, we'll start earlier. We'll make sure that we know, say, for instance, oh, for that school, you need to take the SAT subject test in chemistry and science or whatever, because that really kind of was a last minute thing. We were scrambling a lot and there was a lot of pressure. So I think that I wish someone had said to me, it's going to go fast and be prepared for the end game and know what that end game is because not all kids are going to go to college. But for our oldest, that was something he really wanted to do. And um, I felt like we were just, we were very fortunate because we were able to sort of pull it together, but it was a real pressured time. So it does go fast and just to be ready for that last uh, sprint there. Oh, that's a great piece of advice. Nobody has ever said that to me. And so I'm furiously taking notes over here (laughs) that, you know, it is, you don't think, You think about how quickly your children grow up, but that last Mm. little bit is just going to fly right by and there's going to come a point where you really need to have your ducks in a row. You do. You do. And I've always been, again, like I said, for as organized as I like to pretend I am, I was doing a lot of, you know, trying to remember, well, okay, what was freshman year? And, you know, just to be very, work on it all along. For my second oldest son, I've already started his transcript because he'll be starting his junior year. And I'm hoping that that will make it a little bit easier for us. And plus, you know, that whole time is very emotionally charged also, because I just couldn't even fathom. And again, I was pregnant. So there was a lot of hormones involved. But you know, it was it was a hard it was a hard time to sort of become very reasonable and rational and and be focused when my heart was breaking a little bit. I mean, I was thrilled for him that he had come this far. But it's a hard thing to send your firstborn off like that. Yeah, I didn't even think about that either. All of the emotion that's wrapped up in the whole Mm everything you have to do. 
So mm-hmm. great, great advice. Well, Don, what's your favorite subject to teach? I have to say my favorite subject to teach is nature study. Oh, yes, I can see that. I absolutely love that. Yeah, I could teach that 24-7. I love that. And I also love history. That's my other thing that I enjoy teaching, too. I always get really excited about whatever history we're doing. Like, for instance, this year, we're revisiting the Middle Ages. So that's that's one of my favorite periods in time to teach. But definitely, I would say my top pick would be nature study. And you have have a little bit of an age range going on there with a 16-year-old and then your second guy, he's 12? Am I right? He's 13 and a half now. He'll be 14 in December. Mm -hmm. And then obviously baby school. But you're keeping those two middle guys together, right? When you do history or nature study. The oldest, you mean the 16 and the 13? Mm -hmm. Well, actually, my 16-year-old takes history at an outside class from home. Yeah, he actually, we're really fortunate that where we live, there's a lot of homeschool co-ops that happen and classes that homeschoolers can tap into. So he's actually taking history elsewhere world history right now. They started with American history. They're doing world history. I believe they're doing Renaissance of the 20th century. They did world history one last year. So when I say middle ages, I'm referring mostly to my 13 year old, but he's actually autistic, which I know a lot of my readers know that. So for him, I'm using story of the world, the middle ages, but there'll be a lot of adapting and sort of just using as some general, just sort of just the time frame and different topics to cover, but we'll be doing it in our own way. But Whenever we pick a history, no matter what, you know, anyone else is doing, it sort of infuses the family life for the year. So there'll be a lot of knights and castles and we'll tap into the things that interest him the most, too. This is an early bird that I'm referring to. And Mm -hmm. I always have to play off what really strikes him. So if he gets really excited about dragons, which I'm going to sort of talk about in September, roundabout Michaelmas, then then we'll go with that. And the house will be all about dragons for a little while. But I remember, in fact, I said to Cracker Jack back when I said, I'm doing the planning and we're going to do Middle Ages next year with uh, Early Bird. And he was thrilled because that was his favorite time. He loves the Middle Ages. So I think he'll definitely be digging in a little bit, too, along with us, I think. Oh, yeah. I think those older kids, they're always listening in, whether they mean to be or not. I think so. I think so. Plus, you know, we'll be using things he used himself. Mm -hmm. So I think he'll be like, oh, that was fun. I remember that. Well, which subject is the hardest for you to teach? Oh, math. (laughs) (laughs) math, hands down math. I was an English major, definitely math. And for me, Bookworm, my oldest, he's just a math kid. He just loves it. In fact, he started as a math major at BC this uh, when his freshman year. It's now his minor in computer science is his major, but he loves math. He was brilliant at learning math all on his own. We used Saxon up until a certain point. And then he started taking classes at like the local community college. And that was really easy for me because I didn't really have to teach it very much. So it's sort of a different story. The second one coming along, it's, you know, mom's not really a a math aficionado. So that's, I would definitely say math is not my favorite subject. Just not a good fit for me. (laughs) (laughs) What's a skill that you think is important for your kids to learn before they grow up and leave your home? I would say a skill that I would like the boys to take with them would be being positive in life, remaining positive about things. And I think that that would be through appreciating the little things in life. I think that that's something that's really important to me, just as a person in general, is being able to find joy and comfort in daily life, in the little things that you might overlook. But, you know, the big things are great. And obviously, we're always grateful for blessings of health and 
good home and good family and good work and things like that. But to really be able to stay positive because things can not always be terrific. There can be challenges and hardships that you face, but being able to find some joy every day in the little things and keep a really good positive attitude. I also think that we're really surrounded by a very negative culture at times. You know, there's a lot of ugliness out there and there's sarcasm and there's just things can be kind of dark sometimes if you're really tuning into, you know, whether it be the internet or whatever, or just, I think that being able to have a positivity inside yourself and remaining happy inside for little things like noticing, you know, the sunrise or, you know, if there's a new bird at the feeders and I, obviously I'm going to go to nature things because those are the little things I notice a lot, but, but even just in your home life, the little things like, oh, dad came home early today from work and isn't that a really nice thing? And that's, a comfort. So I think that that might be something I would try to, so maybe it's a little bit of a positivity and gratitude, I think would be the, maybe the two things that I would try to, and I don't know if you'd actually call those life skills now that I've just described those, but. (laughs) I think whether it's a life skill or not, I think it's a great trait to have. And I think, you know, describing it as gratitude, that's probably the perfect definition for it. Yeah. I think so. I think, yeah, having a, a, and making sure to take time every day to be grateful for things, the big things and the small things. Well, is there a way that you specifically foster that? Is there anything you do? Well, you know, I talk with my kids a lot. I think that that's an easy way to say it. But, you know, I'm very, I'm always talking with them. I'm always pointing things out to them. And I think maybe that's just the best way to foster gratitude is to remind them of the things that they might not be noticing or just to model that myself and mm-hmm. to mention, boy, that, you know, I feel really lucky that that happened. And that, that was a blessing that that happened. And thank God for that. So I think it's just maybe modeling that behavior and being a positive and grateful person myself and being vocal about it. You're probably right. Modeling it is probably the easiest and the best way to pass for sure. it along. You know, I try to encourage them to say their prayers and have that ability to sit down and think about that. But, you know, that I think that has to come from inside. And I think that just becomes something that you want to do as an impulse, a natural impulse in yourself. And I really do feel that, you know, we can teach kids as much as we want, but we, what we show them and what we model for them is what they will take with them into life. Yeah, exactly. Do you have a homeschool hero? A homeschool hero? Hmm. That's a really interesting question. And of course, I start to think about, you know, different people I've known, whether it be people in real life or people on the internet or books I've read. And there are a lot of different people that I definitely admire. One of the things that strikes me about that question, though, is I really feel like people who homeschool despite challenges have my admiration. I've been very fortunate, very blessed that I have a lot of support in my homeschooling. My husband supports it. My family's very supportive. I have a great homeschool group around me. I'm healthy. All these things have made homeschooling, I don't want to say easy, but in a sense, easy for me. It's come very easy to me over the years, and I'm so grateful for that. I also have friends who have faced a lot of challenges and have still found the ability to homeschool because they are so committed and feel that it's really the best thing for their children. So I have a friend who got divorced, who became a single mom and had to work but found a way to still make it work for her and her kids. I have a very good friend who has been, and you know, her health has been compromised for a lot of years and she's low on energy. And believe me, I know how much energy it takes. And I'm, you know, on a good health day, it takes all of your energy and then some, and she really struggles, but she still commits to homeschooling and she finds a way to make it work for herself and her 
family. And then I have a friend who, who homeschools in an area that's very, she's isolated. She doesn't have a great support group around her or activities that she can tap into with her kids. And that's, that's hard for her. I know that that wears on her too, but she still finds ways to make it work. So I guess in a sense, when I think of someone that I really admire as a homeschool hero, it's people that are homeschooling despite challenges and really feel committed to it and are doing it for their children because they feel that it's the best thing for them, for the kids' education, but for their family as a whole. And so I really admire that about homeschoolers that face those types of challenges. I think that's my favorite answer to that question ever. Oh, oh, I'm glad. Well, that's nice. Well, you know what? It's it's true, though. You know, I mean, I, I try to be very grateful for all the things that I have that make it a little bit easier for me. But gosh, some people, they really, they have to work so hard at it to make it happen for them. And they're committed to carry through. So that's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's funny. I was talking to a friend the other night about this interview. Um, I was talking to two friends, actually. And somebody asked me, well, who is that that you're going to interview? And I looked at the other lady because she goes to my church. She's Catholic as well. And I looked at her and said, it's the file crate lady. And she's like, oh, I have one of those. So you're very Um, well known in certain circles for your file crate system. So tell me how, and we're just going to, okay, I think it's going to be very difficult to describe this verbally in mm. a podcast. So we're going to put a bunch of links in the show notes so that people can go over and find links to your file crate system and see all of your great pictures and descriptions. But tell, tell me how this started. Oh, well, that's a great idea. No, actually... You know, it's funny that you mentioned that because it's been so many years. I actually went back to the first time I posted about it on my blog to refresh my memory. <laughs> I actually started using the file crate system, quote unquote, which, you know, I mean, there's a lot of people that use tickler files, I think is the, the technical term for using folders in that way. But I started using it round about the first year I started homeschooling. I just decided that I wanted a week, a folder a week in which I could put bookworms, worksheets or whatever it was, notes, I think would have a little notes in there. So I've been using it for 15 years or more. And, you know, I've sort of grown it over time. The reason why I like it so much is because I am an organizational junkie. I love planners. I love calendars. I love the latest and the greatest new thing to come along. I still haven't really gone to the iPhone stuff or the I don't use computers, really. It's all paper for me. And you, you know, love things, office supplies, too. I, I love office <laughs> supplies. Staples is such a dangerous place for me. I really have to plan my trips <laughs> accordingly. But, you know, I think that one of the reasons I like it so much is because I'm consistent with it. And mm-hmm. because I will use something, I'll buy a couple of calendars a year. I'll make myself a calendar. I'll band it after a couple of months. And I'll have such guilt thinking, oh my gosh, all the time I put into that and it wasn't the right thing. And, you know, part of that's me because I tend to be a bit of a perfectionist about things. And if it's not exactly what I want it to be doing, you know, I'm over it. But with the file crate, I've used that every single year. And it just really, I find it's a way of staying on top of things and keeping organized. And I'm always trying to look for ways to tweak it a little and make it work a little bit differently or bring other components into it. I'd love to just use that and that alone because as much as I love all those tools, I get frustrated when I have too many things on my kitchen counter. You know, I'm using too many tools and then information gets sort of, you know, watered down or spread too thin here and there. But I think that's, so it's been a long time, but it pretty much started, I think, officially with my first year of homeschooling back in... 1999, 2000, I guess it was. Yeah, 2000. Well, now, t- 
tell us a little bit about the different things. So basically what it is, is you have a file for every week of the year. So you have 52 files in your folder and they're all labeled with your different weeks. And Mm -hmm. in these files, what do you keep in them? Well, you know, some years it's different things. When the kids were younger and we were doing a lot of worksheety kind of things, and that's not a real word, but I think you know what I mean, like, you know, more like paper things, I would keep their homeschool work in there. But I would also keep, so for instance, say it's a week that there's a particular holiday or a feast day or something, a full moon or something, I would have anything I printed out or made a photocopy of, I would keep in that particular week. If I got a reminder that I have a dentist appointment, that reminder card would go in that week. If I had a meeting that I was going to and I had notes or a doctor's appointment and I had paperwork for that doctor's appointment, it would go in that folder. So it's not just homeschooling. I would try to use it for you know every area of my life. And it's sort of a holding zone. And then at the end of the week, I look through it and I decide, okay, well, that will stay because we used it or I'm not, I don't need that anymore. So that will stay in this folder. And if there's something that didn't get used or I need to keep moving it along, that goes into the next week's folder. And then the folders themselves, I actually organize the weeks into a season. So there's actually six hanging folders and they for each season and it's like two months at a time. So September and October are together. I call that early autumn. And that has, I think it's like eight or nine weeks, depending on how I count it out. And those fit in that folder. And I also have a folder for anything that's just pertains to that season itself, not necessarily a date that it would fit into one of the dated folders. Anything general for that time of year, that season goes into the general part of the folder. Okay, I'm going to stop you right here because one of my favorite things you've always done, and I think you do it so well, is what I would call seasonal homeschooling, where you just really great at like capturing the essence of a season of the year. Mm. And I think it's just an awareness. Maybe it is because all of the nature study, but it's just an awareness of you have of the things that are going on around you and really kind of pulling that season into your schooling and into the things that you're doing at home. So, Mm -hmm. you know, how did you get started doing that? Yeah, you know, it's funny because people ask me about that a lot. And I'm I think that when I try to think about why I do this, I've been doing this since I was a little girl. I have autumn planners that I drew when I was in fourth grade. It's always been, I don't know why. I don't know. I mean, I didn't grow up in the country. I grew up in a suburb, but I've always been just very much attuned to the seasons of the year. I've always loved them. And I, when I say the seasons of the year, I'm talking more like both natural and liturgical. So, you know, in September, October, I think of that as early autumn, whereas November, December is more late autumn. So there's, you know, nuances to each of those seasons. And I think that, you know, for me, bringing that into my homeschool, it started when my kids were really little. And I think that, you know, it has to change over time a little bit because, you know, in September, when they're real little kids, it's easy to say, well, we're going to study apples and we're going to study fall leaves. That's not as easy when they're 16, 18 (laughs) years old. But That's not to say that in September we can't, as a family, go to the apple orchard or I can't put a big bowl of apples on the table and we might make applesauce one weekend. Whether it's me just doing it myself in the background and it's filling my kids' senses, they're smelling those apples, they're aware that mom's making applesauce or maybe they're helping me. So at different times of their lives, it's infiltrated their homeschooling or their home life in different ways. And I think that even though when they're older, I might not be planning out a curriculum 
around the seasons the way I do when they're real young. I still want that to be part of their life. And it is the awareness. And I think it's because it's always been such a part of my life. And I really take so much joy from it. I feel like it just keeps me aware of those little joys every day. And every week there's something right now I'm trying to work on. I've done this before where I try to assign every week to a nature theme that, you know, in September and October, I'll sort of jot down eight or nine different themes and assign it to a week. And I think it just makes you more mindful. And it's going back to those plans. If it doesn't happen, it's okay. It's still been in my head. It still somehow gets, there's a little bit of it that weaves itself through our, our week as a family or in home. Maybe it's homeschooling. Maybe we've taken a field trip and we've come home with apples and we're going to do some apple fractions. So there's different levels, I guess, of seasonal home learning. But right now it's really nice for me because I have kids at all different levels. So I'm, you know, planning a little bit for little bear. My 13 year old is, he's autistic. So he's very young 13 year old. So he still loves doing anything that you would do with a preschooler he's up for. And so that's wonderful for us too. And then the older kids, you know, they'll just sort of be a little more on the periphery, but I hope that they're sort of just taking in all of this and being aware of it. And maybe it's just sort of enriching their seasons for them. I guess it all goes back to what you were talking about earlier with that, the gratitude for the little things around you. It really all kind of ties together for you, doesn't it? It really does. Because I just see so much of the world around us and nature. We're so blessed with all these beautiful things that happen every year for everybody, no matter where you live or what kind of home you live in, or these all happen over and over. And it's a familiar, it's a nice familiarity that returns every year. And I think, you know, every year we get to do this again. And that's just, that's the greatest blessing in life is that we get to be here again in September and enjoy all that September brings for us. That's just such a huge joy for me. And I think maybe that takes a little pressure off too, when you think, oh, we didn't go to the apple orchard. Well, God willing, we'll go next year because September will come again and the apples will be in season again. Yeah, that's a great attitude. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome because I'm the person who doesn't make it to the apple orchard. (laughs) Oh, we don't make it every year. Well, see, here's a little secret. I don't make it there every year either, you know, but I'll have those apple books in a basket and I'll pick up some apples at the farm stand if I'm not getting to the orchard. And that's what I mean about different levels. You know, there's different levels and it's the fall leaves. You know, I'd love to do that with the kids. I love to bring in fall leaves or maybe we'll do the, you know, the crayon rubbings. There's different experiments you can do when they get a little bit older. And so that's what I'm working on right now is I'm working on this sort of, you know, uh, outline of each week, things to look at. For me, I weave in feast days and things that are happening in, in our liturgical calendar as well. And sometimes there's some some crossover. I, I really love being able to celebrate with a little bit of a natural touch too with my kids, whether it's the food that we're eating or if it's the flowers that I'm including or, you know, something we might do outside in nature for Palm Sunday. I love to take a praise walk and go around and just, you know, be so grateful for the world around us. You know, butterflies in the spring tie in so nicely with the Easter time. Yeah. You know, so that I love tying those two together. That's just, it's a real passion of mine. And maybe it's just a way of tapping into different things that matter to me. Um, It's been a real joy for me. So that's just a a real passion of mine. That's awesome. Well, it's very inspiring to the rest of us. So we sure do appreciate you doing that and sharing it with us (laughs) as well. Oh, that's nice to hear. Well, I'm glad that people uh, listen to me when I ramble on. (laughs) Because I feel like I sometimes I'll think, oh, boy, here I go again. I'm talking about that same subject I talked about last year. But 
maybe there are some new readers that didn't catch it last year. No, I think so that's good to hear. I think your readers like to revisit it again with you. So, oh, good. Well, Don, are you ready for a pop quiz? Sure, that sounds like fun. Okay, one word: chocolate or vanilla? Vanilla. Pen or pencil? Oh, pencil. Talker or listener? Oh, I'm a talker, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> fiction or nonfiction? Oh, mm, that's a tough one. I'm going to have to say nonfiction. Cat person or dog person? Cat person. Lord of the Rings or Star Wars? Oh, another hard one. Oh, gosh. I grew up with Star Wars, but Lord of the Rings is a little more relevant now. So I say Lord of the Rings. Ocean or mountains? Hmm. I'm going to say ocean, but probably not like the beach you're thinking of. I'm thinking more like a rocky tide pool kind of ocean. Essay or project? Mm, Project. Well, Don, tell everybody where they can find you online. Well, my blog, By Sun and Candlelight, which is, let me see, www.donathome.typepad.com. I'm also on Facebook, By Sun and Candlelight at Facebook. I don't know the actual address, but if you go on to Facebook and look for By Sun and Candlelight, you'll find my page. And I'm also on Pinterest now because I resisted as long as I could. And that's so much fun. And that's undermining Dawn Hannigan. And I think that might be everywhere I am right now. I'm not on Instagram yet, but I'm curious about that. But we'll see. I was just thinking that that Instagram was a place that Dawn Hannigan needed to be. So... I've had people say that to me because I'm, uh, I guess it's a, it's a lot of photography and I love photography. So I might have to check that out. We'll see. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, it was my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me, Pam. That's episode 22 of the Homeschool Snapshots podcast. I hope you enjoyed joining me today. I always love it when you're here. Don't forget, for easy access to all of the resources Don and I chatted about today, you can find them in the show notes at edsnapshots.com forward slash 22. We'll have everything for you there. And I'll be back in a couple of weeks with another great interview for you. And until then, keep on homeschooling. Homeschooling.